urban of, relating to, characteristics of, or constituting a city. Creep. A distressing sensation like that caused by the creeping of insects over one's flesh, especially the feeling of apprehension or horror. Here are your hosts, J.B. Heyer and Caitlin O. Welcome to Urban Creeps. to another episode of Urban Creeps, the weekly podcast where we tell you all about urban legends, what we think they mean, where they come from, perhaps, and anything else we decide to talk about. I am one of your hosts, Caitlin O. I am joined today by my esteemed colleague, the ravishing, handsome, extremely muscular, mustachioed man, J.B. Heyer. That's me! (laughs) Hey, that's me! That's not me. <laughs> no, well, it's you. It's definitely not me. Yeah. But welcome. We appreciate you joining us once again on another endeavor into the unknown as we continue our journey of urban legends and other weird shit that we find on the internet. So this is a bit of a double feature because uh, last week we were running a tough mutter and we were a little behind on episodes. So we decided to double up and get this one done. However, I would like to say we just got tickets to see Fozzie, Chris Jericho's band. I'm so excited. And if you're not a wrestling fan, that's your fucking problem. What's wrong with you? It's fantastic. Yes. Yes, it is. Specifically the Chris Jericho era. I'm so excited for this show. I already know what outfit I'm going to wear, and I already know where I want to sit, so nobody better be in my spot. I'm pretty sure it's standing, though. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure I know where I want to stand, so nobody better be in my spot. Needless to say, it should prove to be a most excellent show. We don't get to go out and do much, because most of our time is spent looking at urban legends and other types of bizarre things on the internet. So much research for you guys. We make the sacrifice for you. It is a grand sacrifice. But you know what I also love to do? Eat cheese. And steak. Not together. Um, but no, that's not what I was going to say. Well, cheesesteak. Cheesesteak. I don't like cheesesteak. That's weird. Because they they put too much on it. No. I don't like it. I like my steak plain with, like, the meat juices. You like Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Whatever. Cheshire you know cat. what I mean. The war in the shire. I don't know how to say it. It's like war plus the hobbit is from the shire, so it's Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Shire. Well, it's either Chester or Shire. Either <laughs> way, it's that sauce. Anywho, that's the only thing I like on my steaks. Good. But no, what I also like to do in my spare time is watch movies. Okay. I pride myself on being able to quote movies. Mm, no. I don't do the accents very well, but yes. I'm an excellent movie quoter. No. I mean, Tom Hanks movies, yes. Oh, well, yeah. I quote other movies. Mrs. Doubtfire quote on a regular basis. Okay, name a movie that's not Tom Hanks or Robin Williams that you can quote. Um, any Disney movie. I quote... Some of those have Robin Williams. The Little Mermaid a lot. And I go, hee 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 You never do that. I do. That's the first time I've ever heard that. And then on the Beauty and the Beast, he goes, try the gray stuff. It's delicious. Don't believe me? Ask the dishes. Where is that applicable in any conversation you've ever had? Oh, oh, oh. Also from Beauty and the Beast, (laughs) when he's like, he talks about how he wants to get Belle a present that's really good. And he goes, what do people get? Girls they like or something like that. I don't know what he says. But And then Cogsworth goes, 
flowers, chocolates, promises you don't intend to keep. <laughs> I've said that a lot of times. Yeah. When people are like, what should I get my girlfriend? And I go, flowers, chocolates, promises you don't intend to keep. Two things. And then we're going to move on. One, you did not have to repeat the quote. Two, you've never said that to me. And I've known you for a long time. Right. However, apologies, creeps. We digress. <laughs> Well, the reason... Uh, Caitlin O struggles with her memory of movie quotes, for which she has never, ever quoted any of the things she just said. <laughs> but I think that that's leading into a point, I hope. I did have a point. And it is... Thus, how we decide who goes first today. Fantastic. So we have both chosen a movie quote. We're going to say said quote, and the other has to guess what movie it's from. Okay, so what happens if we both get it right? Then it's a tiebreaker, and we rock, paper, scissors. Okay, so no butt stuff. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> so, Wait, what? How would butt stuff be a tiebreaker? It's what we call an old-fashioned, then. What? Rock, paper, scissors. Oh, I thought you meant butt stuff was old-fashioned. Well, it might be now. I don't know. The fuck they didn't talk about it back then. Who Nowadays, knows? they got social media, Snapchats, Dan Fogelberg, Pac-Man... <laughs> Oh, Pac-Man's not recent. I know, it's very antiquated. That's, that's my point. <laughs> All right, should I read my movie quote first? Present your quote, please. Okay. Um, However, I do believe that framing would be fair, so I need a genre. Drama. Okay. This is one of my favorite movies. I don't know if you know this about me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it in my best voice. Let's hear it. What we've got here is failure... To communicate. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. You know it, don't you? Ah, uh, it's very familiar, but I don't know if I know I'll it. give you another hint if you want one. Another genre, if you will. Sure. Prison movies. Full Metal Jacket. Nah. It's Cool Hand Luke. Oh, yeah. He was beautiful. Yeah, I heard it was awesome. So good. Never saw it. Oh. All right, my turn. Okay. And the genre is horror movies. Oh, crap. Oh, you got a letter? Well, I got ran over. Helen gets her hair chopped off, and Julie gets a body in her trunk, and you get a letter? That's balanced. <laughs> is this like a teen? Another story? hint. 1997. Scream. And Damn it! I know it? what you did last summer. Oh. That was, uh, that might have been, who's the guy, the Ryan that's not the Gosling? Reynolds? No. This was before he was a thing. The other Ryan with the curly hair. Philippi. Yes. Yeah. Philippi. He was, he, him and Freddie Prince Jr. were like kings of the 90s. Yeah. The 90s teen movie. It was either Scream or I Know What You Did Last Summer. Those are like the 90s horror movies. With the team. So anyways, tiebreaker then. Alright, let's do it. You ready? I'm so It's just ready. one for one. One for one. Best out of one. Three. Yes! <laughs> do your thing. Alright, well now my paper's all wrinkly. Dim the lights. Cue the creepy music. And I give to you Halloween candy. It was the night kids wait all year for. It was the time kids wait all day for. It was dusk on Halloween. All the neighborhood kids had raced home after school to work on the finishing touches for their costumes. 
As dusk fell, the streets began to fill with witches, ghosts, vampires, werewolves, and a variety of other spooky creatures. Throughout the night, kids ran up and down the streets, knocking on doors, trick-or-treating, and causing a ruckus all over town. As the night grew dark and houses ran out of candy to give out to the kids, they began to return to their houses to go through their now heavy and bulging bags of candy. A few neighborhood kids agreed to meet at a friend's house after trick-or-treating to go through their candy to see what everyone got and to trade each other for their favorites. As they poured their candy into large piles in the middle of the floor, they saw a variety of candy bars, chocolates, fruity candies, and even a few apples from someone who obviously didn't understand Halloween very well. Making a snarky comment about healthy snacks, one of the boys in the group picked up an apple and bit into it. His eyes grew wide, and he screamed in horror as blood began to stream from his mouth. Just then, another girl began to cry and fell to the floor, terrified and yelling about feeling crazy and dizzy. As the kids began to go through their candy to understand what was happening, they discovered razor blades in the apples, needles in their Snickers bars, and what they assumed to be candies laced with hallucinogenic drugs. They immediately screamed for their parents, who came running and were horrified by the bloody, chaotic scene they were called to. They alerted the police immediately, who launched an investigation as to who would try to harm so many neighborhood kids on Halloween. The perpetrators hiding drugs and sharps in children's streets were never found, but to this day, police warn of the dangers of trick-or-treating and what could be hiding in your kids' tasty treats. So the kids were tripping balls. You know what I think. I don't know. What I you think they got together and did a bunch of drugs and freaked out and were like, "It's in the candy." That's like some shit your mom would say. <laughs> so the kids were tripping balls. So I think that's a story that we all grew up hearing. Mm-hmm. I know when I was younger, like the early '90s, and we were still doing trick or treating. There was no apprehension to going to your neighbor's house and getting candy. Mm-hmm. My parents didn't check shit. No, mine didn't Then again, either. we drank out of a water hose, so who knows how mm-hmm. sanitary any of that really was. We were really like locked out of the house all day long. So then, is there an origin to this that you found or anything of particular interest? Well, thank you for asking. So there are a couple variations involving razors and apples, syringes found at the end of the night that were snuck into bags of candy, needles and candy bars, and then candy laced with poison or drugs such as LSD or cocaine. Um, The earliest account I found was in 1959 when a California dentist handed out about 450 pieces of candy laced with laxatives. He gave them to kids without their knowledge. Seriously? Yep. It said no major injuries reported, but a couple kids were hospitalized because of the shits. Yeah, there were some toilets that were severely (laughs) injured. They may want to check the toilet report. (laughs) Yeah. So, from 1972 to 1982, there were over 80 reported cases of razors or needles in candy. Every single report was investigated by Professor Joel Best, and he discovered that they were all hoaxes reported by either the kids or the parents for attention. So, despite this, the legends were so persistent and caused so much anxiety that in 1968, New Jersey mandated prison terms for anyone caught tampering with Halloween candy. That's good, though. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, while this is an urban legend, um, there are a lot of hoaxes, there are a couple stories throughout time that have kind of played into this fear. 
So that laxative story was from 1959. That's the first origin that they could find that related to this story. So in 1964, there was a woman named Helen Feel. It's P. It starts with a P, but it looks like Feel. Fell. Fell. Like Pfeiffer. Oh. So in 1964, a woman named Heaven Fell was sick of kids she thought were too old to be trick-or-treating coming to her door. So she gave out dog biscuits and arsenic pills. <laughs> oh, wait. That's not funny. <laughs> she gave out dog biscuits and arsenic pills, but they were all labeled as poison. So she wasn't trying to poison kids. Arsenic she was just, is poison. But she was giving it to older kids, like, stop trick-or-treating, you little motherfuckers. But she was literally giving them arsenic. Which yeah, she is, was giving them poison. But she wasn't dipping poison. candy in it and then giving to, to them, like, eat the this candy, The concept doesn't kid. change well, when you're still giving kids poison. Well, so then, this is the most well-known case that relates back to this story. In 1974, in Houston, Texas, an 8-year-old Timothy O'Brien died after eating a pixie stick he got while trick-or-treating that was laced with cyanide. Police found that it was actually laced by his dad, Ronald Clark O'Brien, who had recently taken out life insurance policies on all of his children because he was in financial trouble. And the dad actually tried to frame someone in the neighborhood by giving the cyanide-laced pixie sticks to two other kids and his kids, but luckily, I guess, his son was the only one that actually ate the pixie sticks. And after being found guilty, the dad was executed for the murder. What year was this? That was in 1974. I heard the same story about six years ago about pixie sticks with cyanide and the father seeking life insurance. That it wasn't the 60s, it was like the late 90s or the early 2000s and a guy did the same exact thing. That was in the documentary we watched. Oh. It's like a real thing that happened. You saw that on TV? We watched a documentary about it. Hmm. In 2000, James Joseph Smith from Minneapolis filled Snickers bars with needles and gave them out to kids. Only one person, a 14-year-old boy, was hurt from pricking himself when he bit into the candy, but creeper guy putting needles in candy. But because it was in 2000, he was kind of playing off the legend. And there have been several reports of people blaming Halloween candy for positive urine drug tests, but no candy has ever been found to be laced. Fears actually rose in the 80s about this story around Halloween after the Tylenol poisonings in Chicago. Like, there were cyanide-laced acetaminophen pills that were hidden on shelves that people actually took thinking it was Tylenol and they were killed. And that's yeah. where, like, the child caps and that things That was, were. like, a guy that actually went around mm -hmm. having either made the pills and then just dumped them into yeah. them. That's just it killed a bunch of people, and he was yeah. actually never caught. So then when Halloween came time that year, then it... Wrought yeah. about all those That fears. would be one of a, what yeah. I would consider a very deep creeper. Yes. Last note, the History Channel actually ran a story about this in Japan. It's a similar idea, but in the 1980s, there was a crime ring in Japan that blackmailed candy companies with threats that they would lace their candy with cyanide if they didn't pay them a bunch of money. So the stores pulled all their candy from the shelves, but all of it was tested and none of it was poisoned. Then a few months later, the same crime ring actually threatened and actually did poison packs of cookies with cyanide. Nobody died, but there were over 125,000 different investigations launched, and they never figured out who did it. And it caused the chief of police to commit suicide because he couldn't find out who had done this. And the History Channel also noted that people should be way more scared of cars on Halloween than of candy because of drunk drivers and pedestrian accidents. And according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, 43% of all Halloween fatalities between 2011 and 2013 involved a drunk driver. 
Thanks, Mom. So I just want to warn you kids, Aye. while you're looking at your candy, do it out of the street. But it also made me think about, like, this story I've heard about a bunch of times, but it made me remember, like, growing up, I don't know if you ever saw these, but, like, there were news stories around Halloween about, like, looking at your kid's candy or going through your kid's candy, and malls actually started allowing kids to trick-or-treat, like, at the different stores to prevent, like, stranger danger and neighborhoods. Like, you could go to your local mall. And also, I remember one year seeing on TV that a local doctor's office was offering free x-rays of your kids' candies to see if there were, like, razor blades or needles in them. Did you ever have any of that when you were growing up? I was part of the last generation that actually enjoyed Halloween. <laughs> No one checked our our candy for anything. I mean, we yeah. we went out by ourselves at 10, 11 years old and were free to roam like lunatics doing whatever we wanted to do. Toilet papering Waiting and for one person to leave a giant bucket of candy and going by the honor rule, we would take the entire bucket of candy. <laughs> take one piece and you're like, right. suckers. You're like, suck it, jabronis, <laughs> and you just take the whole thing. Oh, you were those kids. Yeah, most definitely. And my mom was very stick to the rules, so she would watch me and only let me take one piece. You know, my friend, she put out a bucket one year because she had to go to work and said, take a piece. And someone actually took the whole bucket. Like, she's like, that was my bucket. Yeah. <laughs> she like, they didn't even take just the candy. It was like the whole thing. There were no rules on Halloween. Yeah. Now Halloween is not even a thing anymore, really. Yeah. I mean, you can still celebrate it, but it's not like what it used to be when you could go out with your friends and have a good time in the crisp autumn air. Now it's 104 fucking degrees. Everybody's sweating to death. And movies or a nickel. <laughs> I'm not trying to be that old pedestrian person. I'm just saying. We could go buy a candy for a penny at the corner stores. Uh, gasoline cost $1.39 when I was coming up. Well, what do you have for us today? I'm glad you asked, finally. <laughs> so my story is an international legend. A tale of terror. One that pharaohs passed on. Because they said, that shit's too scary. My tale is one that was new to me. It is an international tale. It is not one that I've found in a movie associated with actors or actresses from Dawson's Creek. <laughs> it is an uncommon tale, but one that is quite fascinating. In the words of one of the most prolific horror figures in film history... Freddy Krueger, every town has an Elm Street. I present my tale, The Russian Sleep Experiment. The story goes that toward the end of the 1940s, Soviet researchers sealed five prison inmates in an airtight chamber and dosed them with an experimental stimulant gas to test the effects of prolonged sleep deprivation. Their behavior was observed via two-way mirrors and their conversations monitored electronically. They were promised their freedom if they could go without sleep for 30 days. The first few days passed uneventfully. By the fifth day, however, the subjects began showing signs of stress and were overheard complaining. They stopped conversing with their fellow inmates, choosing instead to whisper compromising information about one another into the microphones apparently in an effort to win favor of the researchers. It was at this point that paranoia began to set in. On the ninth day, the screaming began, 
First one subject, then another, was observed running around the chamber screaming for hours. The quieter subjects had begun ripping apart books they had been given to read, smearing the pages with feces and plastering them over the mirrored windows so that their actions could not be observed. Then, just as suddenly, the screaming stopped. The subjects ceased communication altogether. Three days passed without a sound from inside the chamber. Fearing the worst, the researchers addressed them via the intercom. We're opening the chamber to test the microphones, they said. Step away from the door and lie flat on the floor, or you will be shot. Compliance will earn one of you your immediate freedom. A voice from inside the chamber answered, We no longer want to be freed. Two more days passed without contact of any kind as the scientists debated what to do next. Finally, they decided to terminate the experiment. On the 15th day, the stimulant gas was flushed from the chamber and replaced with fresh air. Far from being pleased with the prospect of leaving, the subjects began screaming ungodly screams. They begged to have the gas turned back on. Instead, the researchers unsealed the door and sent armed soldiers in to retreat. Nothing could have prepared them for what they saw. One subject was found dead, lying face down in six inches of bloody water. Chunks of his flesh had been torn off and stuffed into the drain. All of the subjects had been severely mutilated. It was noted that the wounds appeared to be self-inflicted. They had ripped open their own abdomens and disemboweled themselves with their bare hands. Some had even eaten their own flesh. The four who were still alive seemed terrified of falling asleep and refused to leave the chamber, again pleading with the researchers to turn the gas back on. When the soldiers attempted to remove the inmates by force, the inmates fought back. The remaining subjects were restrained and transported to a medical facility for treatment. The first to be operated on fought so furiously against being put to sleep that he tore his own muscles and broke his own bones during the struggle. As soon as the anesthetic took effect, his heart stopped and he died. The rest underwent surgery without sedation. Far from feeling any pain, however, they laughed hysterically on the operating table. So hysterically that the doctors, perhaps fearing for their own sanity, administered a paralytic agent to immobilize them. After the surgery, the survivors were asked why they had mutilated themselves and why they so desperately wanted to go back onto the stimulant gas. Each, in turn, gave the same enigmatic answer. I must remain awake. The researchers considered euthanizing them to obliterate every trace of the failed experiment but were overruled by their commanding officer, who ordered that it be resumed immediately, but this time with three of the researchers joining the inmates in the sealed chamber. Horrified, the chief researcher pulled out a pistol and shot the commanding officer point blank. He then turned and shot one of the two surviving subjects. Aiming his gun at the last one left alive, he asked, What are you? I must know. Having forgotten so easily, the subject said, grinning, We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you all. 
begging to be free at every moment in your deepest primal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds at night. The researcher fired a bullet to his heart. The monitor flatlined as the subject murmured these last words. So nearly free. What? Sleep Russian creepers. Oh my gosh. Is that like KGB shit? I don't know. Did it say what year? Yeah. When Purple Rain came out. 1999. What was the LSD experiments? What were those called? The electric Kool-Aid acid test? No, the government ones. MKUltra? MKUltra. Is it similar? So no human experiments of this type and duration that have been described here have ever been conducted, at least that have ever been made public. Right, that we know of. Um, there are results of a 1964 high school science fair project in which the effects of prolonged sleep deprivation were monitored by a bona fide sleep researcher from Stanford University and a professor of neuropsychiatric medicine. So by default, it has come to be considered one of the seminal studies in the field. But outside of that, there's never been any reported origin story. This has never been dubbed as real. So... Wait, real quick. Did you say it was a high school project? Yeah. With there, all those Harvard people? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Damn it was a 1964 high school science fair project where it was monitored by Stanford oh, professors. I um, I will say, though, that I did find that a Randy Gardner, a student at Point Loma High School in San Diego, California, went without sleep for 11 days in a bid for the Guinness World Record for continuous wakefulness. Uh, as a result, he suffered bouts of dizziness, memory loss, slurred speech, hallucinations, and even paranoia over the course of the 264-hour experiment. Oh, gosh. But at no time did he ever exhibit anything resembling the extreme behaviors um, allegedly ob observed by this legend. Gardner reportedly slept for 14 hours straight when the project was over, and he felt rested and alert, so he suffered no ill-lasting effects. Only 14 hours after being awake for 11 days? Yeah, I would imagine you see some type of um, gradient decline over time, right? Like 14 hours and then maybe like 10 and then like 8 yeah. and then like, you know, you get back to your other cycle. But in, in the end, this, this legend is perceived to be created by the internet for the internet. Mm -hmm. Like deodorant. Strong enough for a man but made for a woman. No, pH balance for a woman. That's vaginal cream. So anyways, um, <laughs> I found no origin of this story, yeah. nothing that was based in it. However, that doesn't mean it's true or not true. And mm -hmm. I, I think what I really like about this legend is that it leaves it up to you. Right. And that's one of the best things about some urban legends is like everyone involved is dead now. So how do you know? But at the same time, like, isn't that convenient? Well, 1964 yeah. high school student may not be dead. That's true. I'm just saying with the Russian thing. If you're Randy Gardner, shoot us an email. I just mean with your urban legend specifically, all the Russians involved in it, you know, they all are dead at the end of the story. Yeah. You know, so there's no one leaving the room saying, guess what just happened? But at the same time, it's like, 
I wonder where it came from or why it even exists. Or I think there's this understanding that at the beginning of World War II and that societies and governments were willing to do what they needed to do to be on the cutting edge of technology and or advancement. With that being said, it's easy to imagine a world where these things do exist. So I like this legend because it deviates away from the morality and the ethical lessons that you find in the 60s and the 70s. It moves away from these basic innate human compulsions to go against your parents or to plow someone in a car, you know, to be afraid of some guy with a hook. And it deviates towards this larger Big Brother aspect. And I think that's an interesting change and trend of urban legend. Is this an urban legend from Russia? Because also, if you think about it, it could be propaganda. You know, it could be, you know, with communism and the Cold War and all that stuff. I mean, who's to say where it started? Who, You know, I mean, with the whole KGB and all that stuff, like, you know, there's very much that talk of, like, Russians are crazy, they're intense, they'll do anything. Like, look what they do to themselves, this crazy-ass shit. It could just be, you know, kind of like the, the Tech Tech story where the beginning of it was, like, very much an American soldier attacking a young Japanese girl, and it was yeah. around World War II. I wonder where it started. I will say this. From what I found, the origin is from creepypasta. Ah. So apparently someone had created the old Slender Man is presumably from creepypasta too. Yeah. Right, but then that morphed into an, an entire another thing. Right, but do people just like come up with random things and put them on there, or is it something that they heard from someone? Perhaps that's know? an urban legend in itself. Creepy pasta. No, what we make for ourselves, mm. the stories that we create for ourselves to better manage our fear of things we can't explain. Mm. So the Russian experiment, or the babysitter and the man upstairs, are these housed in fact, or are they in fact fiction? Are these things we created to contain ourselves and our own fear? To displace our fear and put it into other people? Or are they things that actually happen? Yeah. Because either way, I feel like they're all at the heart of all these urban legends that we've talked about so far, at least. I wouldn't be surprised if they did happen. I mean, tech, tech, that kind of stuff Black is like, children. yeah, that's a stretch. But I mean, like the babysitter upstairs, like this one, it's all kind of creepy and freaky because it does hit close to home and it could very much be real. You know, that's why the Halloween candy thing freaks everyone out. I'll tell you what, though, milk duds destroy your jaw anyway, so you don't even need to put weapons in them. You know what's better than a milk dud, though? What? A Charleston chew. Mm, that probably destroys your jaw just as bad. They're like those candies that the more you eat them, the more your jaw hurts. Have you ever realized that you are an old woman? <laughs> oh, my God. I like the chocolate. You like the Werther's original? I like a good Werther's original, please. Oh, uh, can I have some wrapped singular hard candy, it just please? It likes some hard candy and a red wrapper also, that makes a lot of noise when you open it. My spider veins are hurting. Can you rub them down? I got the bunions on my feet. Could you give Mama a foot rub? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we've covered some very important topics today. And we do hope that you all have enjoyed it. Yes, I know I did. Okay. And, (laughs) so whatever, you guys, I had a good time. I also had a good time. Excellent, I'm glad to hear that. So as usual, if you have any other stories, urban legends, myths, lore, 
if you're Chris Jericho, Tom Hanks, Quentin Tarantino, or any of these other people that probably like our podcast. And we and just want to hang out with Fred Armisen. Yeah, Fred Armisen for sure. Yeah. If you want to hang out, email us. Yeah, Seth you, Rollins. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be more of a Dean Ambrose guy. I yeah. Because I feel like he definitely would be cool. What if you could sit down and have a beer with Dean Ambrose on one side and Stone Cold Steve Austin on the other? I feel like those are the two most like beer-drinking motherfuckers in the world. So anyways, if you've enjoyed the Legends and have any suggestions, uh, hometown legends or local legends, any type of myth or lore that you'd like to send our way, please feel free to email us at urbancreepstories at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, if you send it our way, we'll take a look into it, and we'll see what we can do for ya. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Oh, and Gordon Ramsay, I have a great idea for a cooking yeah, show. Yeah, oh, the cooking show's good. It's a really good idea. So if you want to find out what the cooking show is, that's going to cash you. Come on, Gordon Ramsay, let me tell you about it. We appreciate you spending your time with us today, as always. Thank you very much. And we want to make sure that you... You can just do it. I got one hand in my pocket, and the other one's creeping a cigarette. No. Playing a piano. Nope. <laughs> Hailing a taxi cab. And as always, keep on creeping on. Bye. Bye.